This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week we're headed south, much farther south than usual, deep into the politics of Paraguay as that country prepares for spring elections. And we'll re-examine a territorial dispute that's at least 180 years old, the debate over the Malvinas, the Falkland Islands. But first, Kurt Devine is here with our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Mexican authorities arrested the leader of the nation's largest teachers union and accused her of embezzling about $160 million. Mexican prosecutors say Elba Esther Gordillo, known as the most powerful woman in Mexico, conspired with organized crime. They accused her of buying a private jet, personal homes, and plastic surgery with union funds. Gordillo led the fight against the sweeping education reform proposed by Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto. She publicly expressed her ambitions earlier this year. I am not finished making history because there is much more history to come for the public and for all of Mexico. Benya Nieto's reform seeks to create a standard for hiring and firing teachers based on merit, not based on their position in the teachers' union. Gordillo's arrest came just a day after Peña Nieto signed the reform into law. Cuban President Raul Castro announced that the five-year term he just began will be his last, meaning Castro leadership in Cuba will come to an end in 2018. Castro said he plans to establish term limits and age caps for political offices, including the presidency. Cuba's Vice President Miguel Diaz-Canel Bermudez is currently set to succeed the 81-year-old Castro. Guatemala's new foreign minister came to Washington, D.C. this week and promoted a shift in some policies. Zach Cohen has our story. Guatemalan Foreign Minister Fernando Carrera said in Washington this week that Central America needs to change its current policies on drug trafficking and violence. The fact is the king is naked, okay? There's a failure of policies in that regard, and there's no assessment and evaluation on that regard. And that failure has to be discussed. Carrera is pushing the Organization of American States to tackle drug trafficking when its General Assembly meets in June in Antigua. Carrera became foreign minister in January and held meetings with the White House earlier this week. He urged the United States and Mexico to change their current drug policies and support countries fighting drug trafficking. And their ideas, many ideas, have been going around as alternative ideas. They have to become mainstream, and some of the mainstream ideas of today have to become alternative. (laughs) Carrera asked for changes, but he gave no specific recommendations in public. Carrera also urged Washington to keep immigration as a prominent issue, stressing Guatemala's dependence on the $4.5 billion of remittances that the country receives every year. He credits Guatemalan migrants in the U.S. with growing a rural and Mayan middle class and contributing 12 percent of Guatemala's GDP. If you had that injection from abroad, I guess... uh, you would be out of the recession in one year <laughs> here in the U.S. Okay? Carrera also hopes that lawmakers will resolve particular issues with immigration, such as clarifying the statuses of undocumented immigrants and addressing the difficulties of Mayan migrants to the U.S. who do not speak Spanish. This is Zach Cohen reporting for Latin Pulse in Washington. A former Salvadorian defense minister confessed responsibility for human rights abuses caused by his nation's military. 
Jose Guillermo Garcia admitted to ordering and participating in the torture and extrajudicial killing of citizens during El Salvador's civil war. The war left about 75,000 people dead and 8,000 missing between 1980 and 1992. The U.S. government is seeking to deport Garcia based on a law passed after 9-11 that prevents human rights abusers from taking refuge in the U.S. For Latin Pulse, I'm Kurt Devine. Thanks, Kurt. This week, our attention once again turns to electoral politics. This time, we're looking at an important presidential campaign season going on in the landlocked South American country of Paraguay. Usually, Paraguay escapes the interest of the mainstream media, but a controversial impeachment and removal of the country's president, Fernando Lugo, last summer has made politics in Paraguay all the more important. We reached out to Professor Andrew Nixon at the University of Birmingham in the United Kingdom for answers. Nixon is the co-editor of the new book, The Paraguay Reader. Here are excerpts from our conversation conducted via Skype. All the indications are, Rick, that the uh, Colorado Party, which uh, had ruled the country uh, for nearly 60 years uh, uninterrupted since the late 40s, will get back into power uh, through their presidential candidate, Horacio Cartes. And can you give us some background on on Mr. Cartes? Um, he's obviously, if he's leading the Colorado Party, he is from the elite and from the powerful groups that have run the country for so long. That is indeed the case. Um, uh, he's a very controversial uh, politician. I say politician, I emphasize that word, because up until 2009, he wasn't a politician uh, in an extraordinary move. He only joined the Colorado Party then. He had previously no political involvement whatsoever. And within a very short space of time, he effectively took over the party. Um, he had the party's statutes amended to enable him to stand for high office because prior to that, you had to be a party member for 10 years before you could do so. And the uh, party uh, changed their, uh, at his request, changed the statutes. And very soon, he, he became their presidential candidate. He's an extremely rich um, individual. Um, and undoubtedly that helped him in his meteoric uh, political career to date. His background is that he was in, he has a number of um, uh, cigarette manufacturing companies on the far eastern border of the country, bordering with Brazil. And it is uh, widely known that the bulk of the production from these factories uh, travel uh, in, in uh, form of the contraband to, um, to, to Brazil and to a lesser extent to other countries in the southern cone. His view is that um, w the moment the cigarettes leave his factory, then uh, that's not his responsibility and where they end up is, is a matter for someone else. He also owns a bank. He is the, the, the effective owner of one of the the largest football teams in the country. He um, has moved into uh, agricultural production. He has recently opened a bottling plant for one of his um, soft drinks companies in Miami in the United States. He is indeed one of the richest men in the country. Recently constructed a mansion in a very expensive part of the capital city, Asuncion, that went up in about a year, uh, which is... Um, uh, an indication of 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 his his extraordinary wealth, but he has properties all over the place. Since we're talking about his wealth 
and his connection to the elite structures in the country. Uh, if he is the the leading candidate, is this then going to be a step backwards for Paraguay that was at, at least for a time had a progressive president in in pre- President Lugo before he was impeached? Uh, I think that would be a, f- a fair assessment. When President Lugo came to power in 2008 through a very democratic election, he had uh, a, a massive uh, popular support, which tragically uh, gradually fell away, partly because of uh, errors of his own making, but partly because of enormous hostility from a very, very conservative Congress to any attempt to move in the direction of fiscal reform or uh, reform of the public sector, uh, civil service, and um, uh, and more than anything else uh, on the issue of land reform. Um, those high hopes uh, have been dashed, and yes, it is almost certain that the new president of Paraguay, most likely Cartes, will uh, not be uh, instituting uh, any progressive reforms during the next five-year period. Uh, is there any possibility for the other five candidates, someone to arise from those um, various political groups to oppose Cartes? Well, the the other front runner, the 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 one who does stand, a, I would say, a significant chance of perhaps of beating Cartes, is the candidate of the Liberal Party, um, the party that was in alliance with Lugo from two thousand and eight until they were involved in his impeachment. He, he has a very nice name for a politician. His Mr. Happy. His name is Efrain Alegre. So uh, be happy with Mr. Happy. Couldn't have a better name. But even if he were to win the election, which he might do because he will be doing his utmost to present Cartes as a uh, as a threat to Paraguay's international relations because of his alleged involvement not just in cigarette smuggling but also in narcotics um, uh, traffic and money laundering. Even if he wins, if, if Allegri wins, um, again, you're talking about a conservative candidate from a conservative party, which is not, um, which whose worldview is not that of, of bringing about structural change in the country. Um, the other candidates, the centre-left candidates, frankly, don't stand a chance of winning this election, partly because of the legacy of the Lugo experience, the very depressing way in which it ended, but also because they're split themselves. The left, the left that supported Lugo, haven't even been able to forge a single candidate for this election. They are, they are bitterly divided, and they are presenting two separate candidates. And, and who would those candidates be? Um, those candidates, uh, one of the candidates is... Um, Mario Ferreira, Mario Ferreira, who is a, a broadcaster, very well-known broadcaster, left-wing broadcaster, who um, uh, broadly supported Lugo's uh, government, was not in, in, in the party at the time, was not um, uh, one of the... Um, one of the key players in the Lugo administration, but was broadly supported. He has the advantage that he's very well known, appears on television virtually every day. But even so, he doesn't have the political weight that Cartes has with this a very effective machine party behind him. The Colorado Party is one, it's often been uh, compared to the PRI in Mexico, like a mini PRI. It is a party that really does operate throughout the whole country, right down to the grassroots level. And with that infrastructure and and uh, Cartes 
is is money. It's 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 a winning combination. The other candidate, by the way, is the um, is is a medical doctor um, uh, of the faction of the left most most closely aligned with uh, perhaps with Lugo. He's the the candidate that Lugo supporting, uh, Doctor Anibal Carrillo, uh, a medical doctor, but he like Mario Ferreira, the broadcaster, don't frankly stand uh, a cat's chance in hell of winning this election. So Lugo's uh, imprimatur in promoting him, um, even though Lugo is now going to be running for the Senate, is not enough to to propel him into the top two areas of, of candidacy here. No, because um, an endorsement by Lugo in the present political context in Paraguay does not count for very much. I mean, one has to say this, and I think this is something that outsiders often misread. There's no doubt that the Lugo administration was very well-intentioned in terms of Paraguay's dreadfully conservative uh, historical tradition. Um, he was trying to move in the, in the right direction in terms of progressive reforms. But there were many, many own goals. Uh, and one, of the, course, one of the major own goals, which is still ongoing, has been the revelation of a um, uh, number of, of children uh, that were born to uh, women uh, that he had relations with um, both before he went into politics and while he was a Catholic bishop. And that is coming up again in the past week or so. Yet another of these uh, uh, women in, involved has, 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 has been pressing apparently successfully for a DNA test on, uh, on Lugo to, to, to uh, identify whether he was in fact the father of her child. Two, Lugo's already ad- admitted to two uh, such children but there could well be there could well be more um uh, in a very deeply conservative ca- catholic country th- this does unfortunately carry a, a lot of weight and uh, perhaps i use that word inadvertently unfortunately um because it it it, it is as um uh, suggested uh, quite clearly that there's an element of, of hypocrisy in, in Lugo's, Lugo's personal behavior with, uh, uh, when set aside his, his po- political progressiveness. So there we are. Um, Lugo's endorsement of, for either of these left-wing candidates, frankly, doesn't carry much weight. Here in Washington, D.C., people refer to the impeachment of Lugo as an express coup. And so um, does that still, does that taint of how he was removed from office still hover over this particular election, in your opinion? Um, it does amongst what, what we in England call the thinking classes, the uh, progressive left-wing intellectuals, but unfortunately, amongst the broad mass of population, it is not a major issue. Um the, there is a deep bitterness. There is an element of division now in Paraguayan society of a new kind. That's certainly true because of this. Um, uh, a left-wing alliance, uh, alliance between the left and a liberal candidate would be possibly able to beat uh, the Colorados as they did in 2008. But because of the Liberal Party's involvement in the very impeachment of Lugo, that is now impossible. There's a, a lot of deep bitterness um, um, on, on the side of, of, of independence, on, on the left, towards any engagement, any endorsement of, of the liberal candidate, uh, Mr. Allegre. So it's unlikely uh, that, 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 that that is going to, to, to happen. Yes, there is um, 
uh, a feeling amongst many people that the impeachment was 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 unacceptable. The, uh, the word coup is one that I personally wouldn't use because I like to use that word in terms of its traditional military significance. This was, uh, uh, an, uh, in my view, an outrageous decision taken by Congress to remove a president. Um, they removed him in in in, in such a rapid period of time they didn't give him time to to defend himself and when the uh, when the allegations were made in congress um um they the allegations were were stated in the in the legal proceedings in the following manner these are these we know that this president has behaved badly for reasons that are so apparent that there's no need to for us to even put them down on paper so from even from a purely legal point of view it it, it was a uh, a very bizarre form of of removal uh, of a democratically elected president and he was removed in 72 hours, so, so many people felt that he was railroaded out of office um, about an event that, that he had no direct connection to, uh, violence connected to land reform protests. Absolutely. There, there was a, a very tragic incident, which is still supposedly being investigated by, by, the, by the authorities. Um, uh, the, the deaths of six police and 13 peasant activists in, 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 in a land conflict. And it, with, it was in a week of that, of course, that the impeachment took place. Uh, as if somehow he, he was responsible for this. There was never, and is, is to date, there has, has been no evidence at all uh, put forward uh, serious evidence that he, that he was behind it, and, and I can absolutely assure your listeners that he had he was not behind this the, these killings. These land uh, conflicts have been going on well before he came to power. In fact, there were fewer of them, far fewer of them, during his his presidency. That's the the, the terrible irony. Um, Con as a result of, of that land conflict, um, somewhere in the region of 15 to 20 uh, peasant activists from that area were, 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 were imprisoned, brought to trial. And when the um, public prosecutor uh, did the investigation at the end of the year, I think in late December, made his first report, um, said nothing whatsoever about how the 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 peasants were, were farmers were killed it only concentrated exclusively on the deaths of the police so even from a purely legal uh, position the the inquiry is has completely discounted the deaths of the majority of those who were killed as if they were not important but that brings me on if you if you don't mind me rick to mention i i find that very very interesting because that is is yet another manifestation of the deeply unequal society in Paris where, frankly, the deaths of ordinary peasant farmers simply don't count. And that, I think, then brings us back to Horacio Cartes. And you alluded to the fact that there have been allegations that his bank has been connected to money laundering and drug trafficking. This has showed up in WikiLeaks documents, and obviously then the U.S. government has discussed those types of allegations. Does this show that, that Paraguay is headed back to um, a corrupt presidency? Well, that is that is the key question, and that's what a lot of people are fearing. Um, yes, there is concern as to whether the election of a individual so clearly identified in the past with with um, narcotic smuggling may herald a, a a deterioration 
in the uh, in the security internal security of Paraguay in 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 the wrong direction. And some people have been talking about a Colombianization or a Central Americanization of Paraguay. And frankly, frankly, given the limited um, uh, role of the state in large parts of rural Paraguay, that is not. Uh, as, as, as bizarre as it might seem. Well, thank you, Professor Andrew Nixon, the co-editor of the new book, The Paraguay Reader, joining us today on Latin Pulse. Thank you, Rick. I want to finish school and then go to college to be able to graduate and have the future my parents couldn't have because I know that going to college is the best thing I can do for my future. The words of a parent help to build the future of a child. The Hispanic Scholarship Fund has the information to help your kids go to college. Visit yourwordstoday.org or call 1-877-HSF-8711. Sponsored by the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Often we feature the opinions of Peter Hakem of the Inter-American Dialogue in our Latin American Perspective segment. But sometimes we feature a full interview. This week we take that option. Coming up later this month, those people living on the Falkland Islands, also called the Malvinas, will vote in a referendum. They'll decide if they want to stay a territory of the United Kingdom or seek other options. Argentina lays claim to the islands and has called for negotiations on their status. Here's our conversation with Peter Hakem on the controversy. Well, uh, the Falkland Malvinas Islands uh, have been disputed for many, many years. Argentina claims that uh, they're part of Argentina. Every Argentine is taught that in school. It's uh, sort of one of their national objectives for many, many years that uh, Britain in the decolonization, uh, ending their colonial empire, has to return the Falklands. Back in 1980, uh, the early 80s, they... uh, uh, actually invaded the Falkland Islands to try to retake them. Uh, they were rebuffed by a, a, a British fleet that came all the way from England to do so. Uh, this is an open wound for Argentines. And the British simply say, uh, you know, this really is an Argentine. This has been British from 1830s. Uh, And in any event, we'd be happy to turn it over to Argentina, but we have 3,000 British citizens, and uh, we believe in self-determination. That's what the United States, the uh, United Nations calls for, and uh, uh, we're going to protect the British citizens, and we're not going to yield to pressure from Argentina on this. Argentina's foreign minister refers to these people as colonists, but some of these people can trace history back more than 100 years on the islands. This really is a leftover of 19th century superpower activity where in the UK was the superpower in in the world. Well, that's right. But the the UK also left most of the places where it had been, uh, gave them independence or ceded them uh, uh, to other countries. Just recently, Hong Kong, which had been a British colony for many, many uh, years, uh, became part of China. Uh, that was done through a uh, negotiation where uh, Hong Kong was allowed to keep certain uh, 
differences from China. China talked about one country, two systems. Uh, uh, the Argentines and the British have never been able to talk uh, civilly uh, to really negotiate uh, this issue. The British refused to do so, and uh, the Argentines, frankly, have not made it any easier for any British government to do so. So what's at stake here? Is this really an argument about the people on the islands or is it about the wealth and resources around the islands, not just fishing rights, but petroleum, other resources? I would say none of the above, frankly. Uh, Their major interest is the president, the government of Argentina is engaged in a bitter political battle in the country. after her uh, re-election uh, a couple of years ago, uh, her popularity began to decline, has declined very dramatically in the recent period, in the past 18 months. Uh, she's in the low 30s now. Uh, and uh, what uh, she is trying to do is use the spat over the uh, she, because the president is a woman, Cristina Fernandez, uh, the government is trying to use the Falklands as a way to sort of uh, uh, inspire a, a level of nationalism. This, the Argentines do feel very nationalistic about the islands, and the government is taking advantage of that. My own sense, if Argentina really was interested, they would sort of look to the longer term. They wouldn't be talking about next year or five years or ten years that eventually, and sort of calm everybody down about it. They would be building bridges to the uh, current inhabitants of the Falkland, Malvinas Islands. Uh, uh, They would encourage them to, the young people, to come to universities in Argentina. They would have exchanges. They would play football. They would uh, uh, give inexpensive vacations to the islanders to come to Argentina The islanders would meet uh, Argentines, there would be friends, there would be marriages. You would have a gradual convergence. Or immigration out of Argentina to the islands. Or immigration out of the islands to Argentina. Uh, So, in other words, but uh, the Argentines have very little patience, and their main interest is not the Falkland Islands. It's not the Malvinas Islands. So this is a distraction from Argentina's economic situation? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's lots of other distractions at the same time. Uh, One way that the Argentine government has uh, uh, uses the the tactic of distraction is by picking fights with other countries, with international institutions, and uh, with uh, different groups within the country. It's probably the only strategy left now to the Cristina uh, Fernandez government. Uh, the uh, economy is beginning to unravel, and uh, you know, if by the grace of God there's a huge harvest, and the Chinese are in the uh, business of buying uh, large amounts of grain, Argentina might get through it. But the politics are 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 certainly deteriorating for the government. In December and November and later. Grupo Clarín managed to propel tens of thousands of people into the streets in Argentina to protest against the Fernandez government. We've seen less of that now in the new year. 
But this speaks to what's going on there with the political situation that that the media are also um, fighting against this particular government. Well, I mean, like I say, that these are, are battles that uh, the government is absolutely determined to win. They're skillful at them. Uh, the issue is the style of governing, the uh, sort of willingness to... Uh, so do battle instead of find compromise. Let me go back to the islands then. This referendum that's going to happen in, in very short order doesn't mean anything. No one expects a, a vote anything but overwhelmingly favorable. When I say overwhelmingly, I mean 99% of the balance are, are going to be uh, favoring remaining with Great Britain. Uh, they feel, they sense, they, they act as if they're British, they have British passports. Thank you, Peter Hakem of the Inter-American Dialogue, commenting today on our Latin American Perspective segment for Latin Pulse. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's Latin Pulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse for our entire team. Associate producer Kurt Devine and announcer Victor Kilo. I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchenos otra vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication and with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bath Time Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2013, Las Rocas Productions. <laughs>